if you're just joining us here or if you're watching us on Facebook, thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us. I really hope that this message today would encourage your heart and encourage you in your personal walk with Jesus. Again, we're talking about the next 14 days. We as a church are going into a season of fasting and prayer and devotional. If you don't understand what a fast is, hold tight for me. Today is the first day. I know Gabby said it was next week, but it's this week. Today, the first Sunday, week one of our new series called Toolbox. Toolbox. And the subtext, the subtitle to Toolbox is Everyday Tools for Today's Believers. Now, you might be asking yourself, why Toolbox? I am from, I guess, uh, the generation where toolbox was kind of used derogatorily towards people who were kind of, I don't want to say weird. Uh, It's hard to explain, but it wasn't a good term. Today, the toolbox I want to share with you about is the tools that God has given us for spiritual fixing. So why toolbox? Well, if you notice when you have something around the house that needs fixing, the ideal thing to do is to go to your what? To your toolbox or Maybe that's that weird drawer in the kitchen or in your dining room or living room where you stuff as many screwdrivers and hammers and and, um, uh, electrical tape and all that stuff that you might need. And so your toolbox or your tool drawer, um, it's where we go to find the tool that we need for whatever needs adjustment, whatever needs to be fixed, whatever needs to be hung up, whatever it might be. And over the next five weeks, we'll be dis- we'll, we will be discussing a number of tools that are available to us as believers, as believers uh, that we can turn to when something in our lives needs fixing or adjustment. And in that subtitle, you'll notice that I said, everyday tools for today's believers. And there's a stress on today's believers. And you'll understand why at the end of this message, but there's a stress on today because for some reason, we're seeing that these new generation, our new generation of believers and people who are to come to Christ haven't had an experience with fasting or some of these tools that we're going to be talking about, prayer, giving, service. Their experience with it may be different. They may see church mostly because of social media and high technology in this era, that their experience with church may be so self-centered that they don't see that there's a flip side of things that we're able to do to call on the presence of God. And so I love that in the imagery of toolbox, there is our intentionality to know that something needs fixing. We go to the toolbox and find the appropriate tool for that thing that needs fixing in our lives. So as I go through today's message, and this week we are starting with fasting. I want your experience with this 14-day fasting, devotional, and prayer experience to be something that you fully understand. So today is the first day of whatever you've chosen to fast from. And I'd love to hear what it is. Throw it in the chat. I'll read it later. Encourage one another. What are you fasting from today? If you're on Facebook, also share it in the chat for others to see. Um, And it's my honor, obviously, today to be the one to open us up in this first discussion of this first tool in our toolbox, fasting. Traditionally, fasting is a practice that is really seen across multiple platforms in spirituality. It's exercised by most, if not all, known religions throughout the world. It is the abandoning of food, mostly, for 
the way other people exercise their fasting, the abandoning of food for a specific amount of time and for a specific purpose. Now here at the gathering, one of the options that we had was it doesn't have to be food. Perhaps you're someone who's not crazy about food to begin with. You can go a day and it won't affect you. The invitation is for you to fast from something that truly challenges you. That's the key. Something that truly challenges you. Something maybe that you have a hard time getting away from. Perhaps it's social media. Perhaps it's a job. Perhaps it's your, your hobby. I know some of us guys and ladies, we like to spend some time playing Mario Kart or Call of Duty, whatever that might be. The invitation is for you to fast from something that absorbs time and stretches your faith, something that may burn. And that's why I said over the next 14 days, it won't get easier. It'll get tougher, but it's for a reason. And the last line of what I just read is, it's the abandoning of food for a specific amount of time and for a specific reason. What's the reason for why you're fasting? I hope it's not just because we're fasting as a church, but also that you have a goal in mind in your heart of something that you want God to come in and fix and realign for you. We see fast fasting often in scripture and we'll see a little bit more of that today and in, in the scriptures that we're going to be sharing. And we even see the account of Jesus having exercised this same practice of fasting, both as an adult, as was customary in Judaism. In case you didn't know, Jesus was a Jew. He grew up in Judaism as his practicing religion with his family. And also we see it through his childhood. Um, other uh, religions, as I shared, you have Islam that does Ramadan. You have the Jews who partake in fasting during the time of atonement. And then you have different sects or um, divisions, I should say, in some ways, different uh, faiths within Protestantism who also exercise fasting in, in their own manner. You perhaps have heard of other people do the Daniel fast, uh, which is a very challenging fast, but also a very specific fast that we've seen do wonders with some people in terms of their spiritual health. And so again, we see it throughout different cultures and different practices um, as a spiritual um, submittal of, uh, of a sacrifice. And it's always for a reason. So today we see that fasting continues to be a practice very popular among more traditional crowds. So this is a challenge for you. Perhaps you're new to the faith or you're young in the faith or you're young in the physical and in the faith. This is a challenge to you. But not so much. We don't see it as popular with a new generation of believers. We're hoping that that can change here at the gathering. We do believe that fasting, as is prayer, baptism, and giving, that all of these are ordinances that are given to us in Scripture. And by ordinance, I mean that these aren't recommendations. For those of us who like prescriptions in Scripture, we like to read the Bible and have the Bible tell us what to do. These are some of the things that the Bible tells us to do as we come to develop a relationship with God. I had somebody tell me recently that in the extents um, 
of their relationship with God. And as a believer, they had never, that this gentleman had never fasted. He never understood it and it was never explained to him. And so I don't want us here at this church family to be guilty of the same. I want you to understand what fasting is. And my hope is that today we'll all get there together and comply by this ordinance that we do see in scripture. Can you turn with me to the book of Joel? Joel chapter two, verse 12, and somebody will share it here in the chat as well. Joel chapter two, verse 12. And I'll read it um, here with you. It says, yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. In verse 12, we see that Joel, who wrote this book, uses the word rend. I don't know if you know what the word rend means, but the word rend means to tear apart. God is calling his people to return to him with their hearts and their fasting. But God wasn't interested. Listen to this. He wasn't interested in their show. He was interested in what was happening on the interior. That's very important when it comes to fasting, because these things that we are choosing to fast from for these next 14 days, many of them will be on the exterior. Or you may have chosen something with your accountability partner, which we do encourage you to have somebody for you to check in with daily and let them know how you're doing. And for that day, if you struggle, that you would share with them that you're struggling. But for the most part, we're fasting from things that are exterior. We're, we're, we're pausing from eating carbs or we're pausing from eating sugars or we're pausing from um, watching Netflix or we're off of social media. These are external things. And I'm not saying that these things are bad, neither is this, but what God wants you to do most is to surrender your heart in this season of fasting, to rend, not in the exterior, but on the interior. And let me give some cultural reference to that. Let's go to Matthew chapter 15, verse 8 first. Matthew 15, verse 8 says, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. I hope that does something to you if that's been you at some portion of your life. I'll read that again. This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Mourning and lamenting, according to Jewish custom, happened externally with the sitting of Shiva, and with the tearing of outer garments as they sat on ashes. I, I know I just said a lot. So let me give you some context to what we're talking about. Remember, Jesus was a Jew. In scripture, we see a lot of Judaism, a lot of Jewish culture. And when somebody passed away, the way that the family would mourn and lament was mostly exterior. Naturally, like you and I, when someone close to us passes, we feel pain on the inside. But Jewish custom had a lot of exterior 
traditions. They would sit Shiva for a number of days, which meant that they would sit in mourning and lamenting. And in old Jewish culture, they would rip their outer garments, sometimes sackcloth, and then they would sit in ashes and throw ashes on themselves as they wailed in hurt. This is the reference that Joel is talking about though. I don't want the show portion. You can be done with the show portion. What I'm really looking for is that instead of you tearing your outer garment, that you would tear in the exterior, in your hearts. God wasn't interested. He, he wants our hearts. He doesn't want our show. Your question might be, especially if you've been in church or around church for a long time, is, is, is fasting relevant to us today? And let me counter that by asking you two questions. The first question, does sin still exist today? The second question, does temptation still exist today? See, fasting, like prayer and giving and, the, and water baptism, we may see these as archaic practices or things that our forefathers used to do. But these are practices that Jesus exercised for us for a reason. Sin is timeless. Temptation is timeless. And so the tools that we use to combat these things are also timeless. There are preachers who teach that fasting is actually not needed anymore because we are no longer under the law. And because we are now under what's called the dispensation of grace. Before it was the law where people, if you were with us two weeks ago at our Wednesday Bible study, I shared that in Judaism, there were more than 600 laws. This is pre-Jesus. And also today for the Orthodox Jews and those who are practicing Jews and don't believe in Christ as the Messiah, that there were more than 600 rules and laws that they would have to keep in order to be worthy enough to be in the good graces and favor of God. See, when Jesus came, we moved from this season of law to a season of grace because Jesus on the cross had fulfilled the law. And when he said it is finished, it meant that we no longer were a slave to the law. Instead, that we had freedom to get to the Father in this dispensation of grace, which is the season that we're living in now. The reason for why I disagree when other pastors preach this is that it is to suggest that at some point fasting was needed to save you and to sanctify you. This may have been true before Jesus, but in Jesus, fasting is not a tool for salvation and sanctification. All right? It is not a tool for salvation. Just because you're choosing to fast over the next 14 days does not assure you a seat in paradise with God. I want you to understand this. Don't put that weight on fasting. That is the work of the Holy Spirit, God's word, and Jesus's work on the cross, which is finished. Fasting is our tool for pressing further into the presence of God and the supernatural power of God. Let me say that again. If you ask yourself, what is fasting? Fasting is our tool for pressing further 
into the presence of God and the supernatural natural power of God. But no one can make fasting relevant for you or relevant to you, except for you. Only you know how badly you need the presence of God in your life in an above natural way. Fasting is a personal experience. We fast for intimacy with God and not praise from man. Well, what does that mean, Isaac? We don't want to be guilty of fasting, praying, and devoting simply to show others what we're doing. Does that make sense? So again, we're all as a church family taking this opportunity and this experience to indulge in the beauties of fasting and to draw nearer to the presence of God. But we, the reason for why we do it should not be because other people are doing it. I would much rather you say, hey, I'm not feeling like I'm ready in my heart for this. And so I'll join you guys perhaps in devotional, but I'm not ready to fast. It's important for us to be honest. Why? Because this is an act of contrition and humility. This is exactly what we saw God talk about in that chapter of Joel, chapter 2, that we just read. But we also see this in the book of Isaiah, chapter 58. Turn with me, Isaiah, chapter 58, verse 2 to 4. And you can read it here with me in the chat. It says, Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. Listen to the words I'm going to be reading forward. This is a fake fasting or an insufficient fast. They ask me of they ask me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Verse 3 says, why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? They're complaining to God. Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure. This is God answering them. You seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. This is that fake fasting that they were going through the motions. We see here that their greatest concern, the, the concern of the Jews at this time, their greatest problem was that God wasn't noticing them. And as I'm reading this, I, I think about Jesus, Jesus on the cross, submitting his life for you and for me. And can you imagine that as he's hanging on this cross, that he looks upon the father and he says, I'm doing all of this. I'm sacrificing all of this. And you're not paying me any attention. No, because the reason for his sacrifice had a goal. There was a goal to his sacrifice and it was to save you and to save me, which is why I said, if you're going to fast, Make sure that there's a goal at hand. What is the point of you submitting yourself in fasting this season? They had hoped that by God seeing their show of obedience to fasting, he would grant them favor. But their behaviors didn't show, didn't show true contrition and humility. 
had their hearts truly been fasting, their treatment of others would have shown it. And this is an example of how to know that your fasting is truly in your heart and not just for show. How do we see that? We know that because of how we act on the exterior. What happens in the interior affects what happens in the exterior. So in these 14 days or however long you decide to fast, there should be an obvious change in you on the outside. Not just you sitting in your room or at home because you don't want to go anywhere and just you keeping yourself from eating Lucky Charms because they have too much sugar. The idea is to change on the inside so that it can be expressed on the outside. But here's what God says about true fasting. In the same chapter, Isaiah 58, in verse 6, this is what God replies to his people about what it's supposed to look like. He says, is not this the fast that I chose to loose the bonds of wickedness? to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth. Listen to this. This, this is for all of us. Verse eight, then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. I was almost in tears when I read this portion of Scripture. Because for those of us, once again, who want formulas, we, wanna, we want the Bible to give us the formula for something. This is the formula. When you cry out to me in your situation, when you cry out to me in your storm, when you want me to settle the winds and settle the waves, approach me in contrition and humility. Don't you just love the full circle that is the word of God? He leaves no voids in his intentions. This is the formula that God gives us for his presence amidst fasting. There must be a humbling of yourself here in your heart. Fasting is an act of worship. Over the last couple of weeks, again, we've just been seeing these broken definitions of what worship is. And let me tell you something, especially if you're new, worship doesn't mean music. Worship doesn't mean a slow 90s piano going through your ears. Worship is you being postured in your mind, heart, and spirit, recognizing that you're about to walk into the presence of the almighty God and submit something. We just listened to an awesome moment of song with my brother Isai and Paolo, our worship leader. And many have misunderstood the word worship to mean 
the portion of music before the pastor preaches. It's the part of the service where I can, that I can miss and I can make it right in time before they start preaching. False. If, if there's a more precious part of our Sunday experiences, it's when we go into musical worship because it's us not waiting to hear from God, but instead us crying out to the Father, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. We should be hyped. We should be excited about moments of worship. We should be excited to come before the Father. We should be nervous like that first date when you walk into the presence of the Almighty God. And we get to do that because of Jesus' sacrifice. A believer's heart of expression of here I am. Fasting is an act of worship where our hearts are saying, like he just said, here I am in response to our true humility and fasting and contrition. Fasting is us saying, here I am, Lord, available and without distraction. I encourage you to fast from something that is a distraction to you. If as I'm talking right now, you've checked your phone five times, that may be the one thing you need to set aside. If for some reason you're watching this during the week and you were too busy or too sad or too troubled or too distracted to log in and listen to today's message, that thing that kept you from listening to the word of the Lord today, that thing is something perhaps that we should fast from. And if it was your kids, I'm not telling you fast from your kids because that's just a cop out. Don't misunderstand me because some of us will. All right. I get it. Sometimes I want to throw my daughters, give them a little break outside, let them play by themselves. I don't do it. I don't do it, but I get it. And so we're talking about fasting being an act of true humility. But beware. Be aware. Fasting doesn't just bring the presence of God. It may bring opposition from the enemy. It's not assured, but it may bring opposition from the enemy. Isaac, how do you know that? And why is it worth me fasting if you're telling me that the devil's going to step into my space? Because that's the devil's job. I need you to understand. Like, that's what he does. If he sees you drawing closer to God, and now you're talking about surrendering and sacrificing the things that I've put in your life to distract you? You're going to give that up to be closer to my enemy who's God? Like, of course he's going to fight back. The devil doesn't fight back when he already has you. You don't have to fight for some, something that's already yours. Don't let your spiritual guards down as you go into this season and whatever seasons you go into in fasting. And remember that the devil doesn't like God's presence. In Luke chapter four, we read the account of Jesus fasting in the wilderness. Don't read it now, read it later. Read this afternoon as you're going through your devotional and just closing out your day in prayer, hopefully. Read what it was for Jesus to go through what you're going through today. Luke chapter four. At the end of Jesus's fast, talk about a, a, a fast of sacrifice. Jesus for 40 days didn't eat or drink. The Holy Spirit, it says the Holy Spirit let him out into the wilderness as he fasted. The devil approaches Jesus and tempts him at the end of these 40 days. 
All right? I don't know if you knew that, but if you read it, you'll see it's at the end of these 40 days that Jesus is tempted by the devil himself. He tempted him by first offering him food. Then he offers him power. Then he uses the word of God against Jesus. But Jesus knew his father at that point. Remember, 40 days of the pure presence of God in his life because of his fast. And in Luke chapter 4, verse 8, Jesus tells the devil, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Period. This was his response to when the devil offered him power. And he said, all you have to do for me to give you the entire world is for you to believe in me and bow down to me and serve me. And what did Jesus reply? You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. This is for you. Him only shall you serve. See, although Jesus had not eaten for 40 days, this is, this is my favorite part of today's message. Although Jesus had not eaten for 40 days, though he fasted, he had feasted. Jesus had feasted for 40 days on the presence of the almighty God. Yes, of course, the devil had a plan for Jesus to surrender and worship him, but Jesus had no space left in his heart to be distracted. He was stuffed with the power of God, though his stomach was empty. Shortly after this, the beauty of sacrificing things like whatever we're sacrificing and fasting is that in the example of Jesus, if you look at your Bible right now, Isaiah I'm sorry, Luke chapter 4, you'll see that in the instances after his fasting, Jesus's ministry begins. So all of these amazing works and wonders that Jesus does that we read about in the Gospels, the fasting came before that. Fasting was Jesus's preparation for the greatness of God in and through his life. What are you believing? And what are you hoping for in this season of fast in your life? These things that you're placing for sacrifice? What are you hoping for at the end of this? We should be hoping for deeper intimacy with God in our lives. But I also charge you and challenge you to expect greatness after this season. And how do we know that that comes? We can be expectant of that, but we need to be sure that our sacrifice in our heart through this season of fasting is genuine, that it's real, and that you're stretching yourself, that you're stretching your faith in whatever you've set aside. If you're telling me that you're going to fast from Facebook or Instagram, or you're going to fast from eating broccoli for the next 14 days, but you've hated broccoli since the day you were born, don't waste your time. If you're going to fast from something that's going to be comfy, you're wasting your time. I'm asking you to stretch for something that will challenge your faith. I'm asking you to set aside that thing that for the moment that your fingers itch to touch it or look at it, that you're required to go to the Father and ask for his presence and his strength to be able to get through the next five minutes.
There may be sin in your life. This is a perfect time to set aside any sexual immorality or practices, whatever that might be. This is an excellent time. And the beauty of this is that the Apostle Paul says, my grace is sufficient for you. Jesus' grace is sufficient for you. If you're fasting from food for a long amount of time, when you start feeling that burn in your stomach, remember, his grace is sufficient for you. And as you're fasting in your body, feast on his presence. And let's see what greatness can come from this at the end or even through our experience. I know some of us are going through some challenging times right now. You may be homesick like I was in my family just a couple of weeks ago. I'm believing that in this season of rest that God is bringing you through intentionally. And as you fast from whatever you're choosing to fast from, I, I, I want to also clarify that if you take medications and something like that that require you to eat, don't be silly. Yes, Jesus is sufficient, uh, grace is sufficient for that, but let's also be wise. But as you, whatever situation you're going through and you're submitting yourself in this fasting season, have great expectations. But the greatest of the expectations should be for the favor and the presence of the supernatural God and his supernatural presence over your life. Wherever you are, can you just close your eyes and can we just pray? And we're just going to ask the Lord that for the, for the next 14 days and really for the rest of our lives, but specifically these 14 days of fasting and devotion, that he would just make himself known to us, each and every one of us individually. And I want to pray with you. And if for some reason today you are moved to join in our church family, to, to walk with us, to walk with me in discipleship, and for us to be able to encourage you in this new experience, if there's something kind of turning inside of you and you just want to experience passion and purpose in Jesus, will you just send a quick message to either the church, you can send us an email right now in the chat. Will you just raise your hand or right in Zoom? If you're in Zoom, will you just raise your little emoji hand and somebody will reach out to you and pray for you. If this is your first time with us here at the gathering, if you're watching me on Facebook and we can't see that you're watching us, I want you to know that the Lord loves you, that he gave his son Jesus to die for you. And what he asks for us or from us in return is for a humble heart, looking for more and more of his presence and that we repent and turn away from the things that have hurt us and taken us away from him. And instead that we turn back to him and allow him to piece us back together in his original intention for our beating hearts. Let's pray.